You're listening to episode 84 of Chat About Children with Sonia Bestelich. Let's chat. Discover children at a whole new level. Be empowered to grow with the children in your life. Welcome to Chat About Children with Sonia Bestelich. Hi there and welcome to Chat About Children where we chat about all things children and empower you to grow with the children in your life. We are now up to episode six of our School Starters series, and this series is basically a rebroadcast of handpicked episodes that we've reproduced to bring you the golden nuggets of information from the fuller episode. Now, you can still access the full episode, and of course, you can check out our show notes at chataboutchildren.com. Now, today we are talking about kids and social skills. It's an absolutely fundamental discussion to have, and I have it with my special guest, Alex Kelly. Now, Alex is a speech pathologist of over 30 years who has worked wonders in the world of building social skills in children around the globe. Alex is such a joy to chat to and her enthusiasm about making a positive difference to the lives of kids, adolescents and adults continues to be a gift for many. Now, this episode, you'll discover what we mean by social skills. How do we help encourage and nurture our children to develop them? And how do we respond when a child just isn't interested in having friends? You'll also learn the link between self-esteem and social skills, as well as gaining insight into a framework to better understand how to approach children with social skills difficulties. Enjoy this fantastic chat with Alex Kelly. Welcome to Chat About Children, Alex. How are you? I'm very good, thank you, Sonia. How are you? I'm doing well, and I'm very grateful for you joining this episode of Chat About Children because social skills is a massive, massive topic, and I'm sure you agree, right? I totally agree. It's so fundamental to everything that we do as human beings, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely, (laughs) absolutely. And before we get into the whole topic of social skills, and look, social skills, I mean, some, some people know more than others. Speech pathologists work on a, a huge range of different areas and social skills is one of those areas. So for you, at what moment did you realise social skills were a specific area of clinical interest to you? What was kind of that moment where you were like, oh, like, I really want to get into this area and, and make it a niche? Um, well, I suppose it's a bit of a story in that I... I I discovered while I was doing my degree that I wanted to work with people with intellectual disabilities. I did a two-week placement that was life-changing. I, you know, I walked in and by the second day, I knew that's what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. I thought, oh, you know, it was just so me. Um, And I think when you work with primarily with people with intellectual disabilities and also autism, I think the whole focus as a therapist is functional communication you know you are thinking how can i help this person to make friends how can i help them to interact and uh, with people so that they can go off and get a job you know so our whole focus as a clinician should be around that functional element of interaction and therefore we're talking about social skills wow actually i can make a difference but we have to work in a certain way Um, We can't just pitch in and start teaching people to be assertive. We have to do it in a very structured way, which is the basis of uh, talk about, which is that's what got me started in, in actually writing about the area. Yes. And it's, it's a huge series. And yes, we are going to talk about that more a little bit later because it, 
it's had a lot of success and I think for good reason and you've touched on it and that's because you've broken you broke social skills down into its sub components into its little components and you're explicitly teaching them basically um, and and often just to take it back a step um, Alex we as speech pathologists and and for myself you know with over 20 years as I would say more of a generalist speech pathology background social skills I would say are one of those um, one of those areas that are very often taken for granted whether there's a diagnosis of something or not I find that most parents carers etc even when they're sending their kids to school what do they want most they want them to make good friends and to have friends and to be happy and often a child's kind of happiness or well-being when they're at school is often it comes down to those relationships and those friendships doesn't it you know and every parent wants their child to be able to be happy and and accepted by their peers and social skills are fundamentally um, a, a huge part of that. We need to be socially competent to be accepted by our peers, to make friends, and it's just a, a, a big stumbling block for some children. So yeah, I totally agree. It's it's a it's a, a huge part of of us being happy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And when we talk about subcomponents, because for me and you, we talk about social skills in my mind you know, automatically knows that we're referring to things like taking turns in a conversation, having good eye contact, knowing the distance to kind of stand from a person, like those kinds of things. Tell us a little bit more about the specific areas of what makes up social skills, just so that the listeners are aware of what is it? You know, what are those little components and, and how do they develop, you know, from, from birth to school age? I suppose when we're defining what we mean by social skills, if we take it back a step, you know, what do we mean by being socially skilled? And I think that at a very basic level, we could answer that question by just saying it's it's about the skills that we use when interacting with other people, exactly what you're saying, um, so that we are seen by other people to be socially competent. So it's a, it's a little bit about the skills that we are using um uh, in an appropriate way so that when you're uh, interacting with me you think i'm being competent so what are those skills they are uh, lots of non-verbal skills and then there are verbal skills so basically when we think about social skills i like to break them down into those non-verbal skills and verbal skills by non-verbal we're looking at the body language skills um so uh, whether i use eye contact for example or what my facial expression is is doing um, we look at how I'm sitting, um, how I'm standing. We look at gesture, how much we use our hands. Um, we look at um, how I, even how I dress, you know, whether that's appropriate to the situation. So we look at personal appearance, we look at fidgeting. Those, that's what we mean by body language. The other side of our nonverbal communication is what, what we refer to as speech pathologists as paralinguistic skills. And that's the way we use our voice in terms of our intonation, our rate of speech, our volume. So those are the things that we use on top of our speech to kind of give us um, emphasis or to show that we're interested in someone or that we're very sad. So that's our, um, so those are our paralinguistic skills. So those are all our nonverbal skills. Then you've got your verbal skills, which are your conversational skills. 
Now, by this, we mean, you know, how do you do you listen within the conversation? Do you show that you're listening? Um, can you start the conversation up appropriately? Or do you just zoom straight in? Um, can you take turns, uh, ask questions appropriately, answer questions? Uh, can you be relevant? Um, and then can you close the conversation appropriately? So those at a fundamental level, those are the skills that we are learning to be socially skilled. Then what is interesting is on top of that, so kind of the, the final stage of being socially skilled is to be able to use those skills together to be assertive. So when we think of someone who is, oh, they are so socially skilled, they're so socially competent, we're often picturing someone who can be appropriately and effectively assertive so that they can express their feelings confidently, they can disagree with people appropriately, they can actually stand up for themselves um, effectively and appropriately. So um, the assertiveness is like what we're aiming for. That's the kind of the final stage when we can pull everything together. Um, so those are the kind of the, the core components. Um, and in terms of development, um, it's, gosh, that's, a, you know, it's a very difficult question to answer in the sense that there is no agreed milestones for some of these things. It's not like, you know, a lot of things, you know, we would expect a child to walk at this age, we'd expect a child to sit up by this age. You know, there is no um, totally agreed milestones for social skills because there's so much is dependent on the child's temperament, their personality, their family makeup. So even down to what position they are in the family, um, it, it depends on the environment. On So there's, there's so many things that affect um, a child's reaching these kind of these stages. But having said that, I would, I would say that, you know, we can look roughly and think that, Okay, by the age of, say, six months, I would expect a child to be initiating some social interaction. You know, they would initiate peekaboo, which would be the kind of, you know, the beginnings of that social interaction. By 12 months, I would be expecting some shared attention. They're beginning to take turns with their babbling or their simple words, you know. You know, by two years, we expect children to be asking questions, um, following adults' body language, that sort of thing. Um, by three years, they're holding, maybe holding a conversation, but they may jump from topic to topic. Um, by four, I would expect to start seeing children beginning to use some of the assertiveness skills in there you know they're beginning to disagree they're maybe not very good at it but they're beginning to show that um but by five i would maybe expect children to start using language to negotiate to discuss their feelings to give opinions and then really i would expect by the age of sort of seven eight for children to have quite a, a good a use of their assertiveness skills so they they could actually be quite effective and appropriate in their assertiveness but having said that, you know, I, we mustn't be, you know, I, I don't want anyone to totally quote me on that and say, oh, my child is five and they're not doing this because there are so many factors that will affect when a child reaches um, those skills. Um, but that's roughly what, you know, what we could look at. 
Yeah, and I think you're absolutely right, Alex. I mean, we've got to consider those, all those other factors, and especially those little personality traits or the characteristics of, of some people where it just, their nature isn't that way inclined. However, they may have that skill set that they know when to kind of, you know, I, okay, I've got to pull out my assertiveness uh, skills now, but, you know, they're not kind of the let's call assertive personality um you know so there's there's all those other factors that i think are important to consider and within those stages you've mentioned some really important communication milestones and that's often where you know as speech pathologists and even pediatricians and, and doctors and parents we look at just some of those basic things very very early on don't we and we just kind of go okay are they making eye contact do they have those play skills um can we take those simple turns are they are they understanding what i'm saying or using eye gaze and all those basic milestones so i guess and i know the answer to this but help the listeners understand at what point do you find you're getting a lot of referrals? Hopefully it's earlier than like many years ago, I was a bit concerned about how late some referrals would come in, but are you finding that there is a bit more awareness now and, and what age are you seeing referrals coming in um, and what are parents and professionals picking up nice and early now? So I do think that the social skills referrals come in mostly from four onwards. Um, I think girls, it's slightly different. I think we see girls coming in a bit later. And, and of course, a lot of the people that referred to me are autistic. Um, and so what we know about girls and autism is that they are, they generally get diagnosed, um, well, on, on average, about a year and a half later than boys. And so you often see later referrals, uh, uh, diagnosis, and therefore we see later referrals for girls. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I would have said that that's, um, that's mostly when we see the referrals coming in is kind of like four onwards. And you've mentioned um, autism spectrum disorders. So obviously, as a clinical population, you know, it is well known that social skills is an area that often needs to be explicitly taught. Um, and what other clinical populations are you also predominantly working with? I'd say ASD would be your largest one, right? What what other populations do you also work with? Yeah, so the three largest populations are um, autism, uh, intellectual disability, um, and the other area is actually just low self-esteem, uh, uh, mental health difficulties. Uh, so the kind of the, the child that is uh, has not got a diagnosis, um, but is uh, struggling with their mental health, struggling with their low self-esteem, struggling with um, with school life is a is a is a is the third, um, and whether they then go on and get a diagnosis is is another thing. But but actually, that's that's another area of children who are just not coping um, well with with life with school. Seeing young people come to us, they they don't they're unhappy. They don't have friends. They uh, but if if they are motivated, if we can work out what is their motivator, what do they want out of life? So I think one of my key things would be work out what the motivator is. The other thing is look at the environment. Okay, how can we support that young man I worked with to feel confident? So what could we do within the environment to help him feel good about himself? And often when we're looking at school children, it's about going into school and thinking, okay, what is going wrong for this child in this school? 
And what could we do to really support them to help them feel like, okay, schools are not a stressful place to be. Um, so sometimes it's about looking at quick fixes. You know, I, I don't like it when I see children get really stressed because the playground, or I don't know if you call it the playground in Australia, but you know, when they go out at break time and it's all very chaotic and they then get into trouble and they get crying and they kick out at someone and you know what, and I, and there's a quick fix there. There's a quick fix in that, okay, could we start a Lego club or something? Could we help that child to feel less stressed in that situation? Getting the, getting the staff, the teachers on board. Um, and I think, so the environment, one of the things is looking at, is the environment conducive to that child learning skill? So are we, do we need to get rid of some of the stresses? The other thing in terms of the environment is, Okay, do people, are people saying the same thing? Are we being consistent? Partly I want, I like to go into places and, and say, okay, what, A, what are we, have we got the motivation there? B, what are we going to teach this child or help this child develop? So, and, and don't pitch in too high. Don't go and start teaching them to be assertive if they actually need work on their self-esteem. Don't go and teach them to be a better conversationist if you need to work on their non-verbal skills. So, pitching at the right level, and then make sure that everyone is being consistent. And then finally, my third point would be about teaching the child the skills. Be explicit. Don't say, don't do that. That's naughty. Or you can't do that. Tell them what they, they need to do and then make it clear to them. So give them, put them in a, a nice group. Help them learn those skills in a safe place. You know, have fun. You know, we're going to learn how to take turns. And, and if you've got the right teacher, the right teacher, you know, teaching assistant, the right therapist doing that intervention, then the child will learn in that safe space. And then we help them to generalize those skills by making sure that the environment is backing up. And I'm going, well done, Sonia. That was really good looking. Well done. You did really good eye contact then. And everyone's saying that. Gosh, you're going to you're going to then learn, you're going to generalize those skills because we're all backing it up. Um, so I think, you know, I've, I think those are probably the things I would pick out as my, my key things that I would ask people to think about if they're working with someone. I, I, I'm with you on that one. And, and because it is such a huge area and you mentioned some really important things here, Alex, and so it's kind of just getting down to the basics and I'm going to go right back to the thing you said right at the start, Alex, when you're looking at functional communication, I talk about this a lot, you know, at, at, the, at my clinic too, is what, look at the child or adolescent or adult, whoever it is, but what is going on in their world and understand what is happening 24 hours, seven days a week for that person in their world. So you can understand it. And you can kind of step in their shoes and go, okay, I now have an idea of what's going on in your world. So now we have a little bit of an idea as to where to start. And you kind of start then understanding how do I prioritize? Is this in my, is this an area that a speech pathologist is going to work on? Which part do I need to refer on if I need to, et cetera? Um, so I'm, I'm glad you're talking about self-esteem because I think it's not talked about enough by speech pathologists, it's not understood very well, and so it does need more conversation. If you're a mum or know a mum who could do with some support, this is an invitation to join the Flourish for Mums four-week self-care program. 
This weekly program is inspired by the best-selling book, Flourish for Mums, 21 Ways to Thrive with Self-Care and Acceptance, and is led by the fabulous author, Sonia Bestelich. She takes mums on a powerful journey to reconnect with themselves whilst building authentic relationships with fellow mums. Sound like something you want to join? Join our community from anywhere in the world. Mums, it is time for you to flourish. Sign up at flourishformums.com. Now, I want to ask you this question. What if you have a kid that is just not interested in making friends? And there's nothing, they're not motivated, they don't care, they're happy with their own company. Tell me, tell me a groundbreaking story here of a case that you've cracked, Alex, because it happens every now and then where kids are just like, I don't understand why I need to be doing this. I'm not comfortable. It's not natural for me. Um, and, and so it's hard to, you know, to get that next step of, I guess, compliance um, or willingness to want to interact when there just isn't an understanding and they're just, they're happy with their own company. Talk to us. Okay. So I think um, there's, I probably deal with this differently depending on the age of the child. First thing I want to say is, you know, it's okay not to want to have friends. It's, I'm, I'm thinking of a great story that was once told to me by an autistic adult, okay? So she, she was um, doing a, uh, I got to know her actually, and she said to me, she said, you know what, when I was younger, I used to hit other children. And she said, and um, she said, I didn't really like being around other children. I didn't want to have friends. I didn't like being around them. And she said, um, she said, but they used to tell me, don't, don't hit the other children because they won't want to be your friends. And she said, and that wouldn't work. Why would that work? Because actually I didn't want them to be my friends. I wanted them to leave me alone. So actually hitting them worked for her. The behavior worked because then they left her alone. So she said, you know, actually, you've got to look at me as a little girl. She said, you know, and, and find out how could you stop me hitting them? And she said, what would have worked is if you told me that if I don't hit them, I can go on the trampoline. Now, it kind of challenged me because I thought, actually, we wouldn't do that. We'd say, OK, oh, you've hit that person. Therefore, you can't go on the trampoline. Um, but actually, she was saying, use my motivator and then help me to learn that actually hitting other children is not acceptable. But how are you going to help me to learn that hitting other children is unacceptable? OK, so she was saying, use a motivator. So for every lesson, you keep your hands to yourself and you don't hit them. You get a minute on the trampoline, you know, whatever. I think that so it's about looking at that child and thinking, OK, they may not want a friend. So let's not tell them that, well, you've got to take turns in class because then other children will like you. No, don't say that because it's not going to be relevant to them. They don't want other children like them. They don't, they're happy within their own space. But it's about teaching them what is acceptable behaviour what's unacceptable behavior and Alex what you've done there is you've just reinforced a general behavioral principle there haven't you you know reframing to the positive looking at what's important for that individual because that will give them the reason to do or not do something but it has to be meaningful to that individual not to the individual that's telling them it's right or wrong or etc cetera, etc cetera. so it's getting into their world and understanding what's important to them so they understand it in their terms. Totally, totally agree with you. So let me, let me turn this conversation a little, Alex, because 
I know we've been chatting away and, and it, I get caught up in, in lots of chats, but I want to talk about technology because I know a lot of people out there are kind of going, oh, you know, social skills have become worse over the years because technology is, you know, has come into the picture and, you know, we'll go to a party and people will be sitting there on their phones, on their iPads, and no one's talking to each other. Um, it happens, Alex, you know, and, and at a personal and professional level, I've seen a change. I'm observing lots of changes in terms of general human interaction. Um, so I guess in summary, what's your, what's your opinion or thought on that area? I think that we shouldn't totally be um, dis, uh, discouraged. Totally, I don't think I'm not one of those people that go, "Oh, it's a bad thing." You know, in the good old days, children used to play with each other and talk to each other and look at each other in the eye. Um, because I think there's a lot of, I think that is true. But I think that technology has a lot to offer us. I think the one. I mean, we use, I mean, look at uh, video modeling, for example, using videos to help children learn skills. That's a, it's a well-established technique to help children generalize, okay? Um, suddenly I video you doing the skill, you see it and you go, oh, I can do it. Um, you're much more likely to be able to generalize that skill. But there are things that are very exciting, like, um, I mean, virtual reality. VR, I think, is going to be brilliant for a lot of the children that we work with because you know actually we can put that person into an environment and they can try these skills out in a safe environment and then they can they transfer that and you know all the research at the moment shows that le any learning we do in the in the virtual reality environment does transfer into the real world so i think that I think, yes, technology has changed how we uh, define uh, friendships, how we interact. And I think for when we're talking about friendship skills, there, there are issues, you know, about that. The boundaries, the fact that children are, you know, texting each other right into the evenings and, and you know, and all the bullying side. I, I do think there are issues. However, I also see the positives of technology. And I'm very excited about the kind of all the, stuff that can happen through um, particularly VR I, I do think that it's an exciting world we live in um, for all its problems so there we are I'm a bit kind of like you know <laughs> on the well, uh, there's a balance isn't there there's a balance and I think I think that's what it comes down to is just looking at the individual what are they doing what what technology are they engaging or interacting with and what consequence does that have so it's all kind of needs that individual assessment but I think you're right the way that we're interacting generally as humans is constantly changing you know over time so Alex talk about is is an amazing resource that has been for a number of years you've got new stuff coming out which is awesome um, but uh, but certainly I think what's important is for parents listening and for carers listening that a lot of the things in the talk about series are super easy to transfer into home environment and everyday environment outside of the learning um, and, the, and the group settings and I think that's really important because they are easily transferable. So Alex, we've had an, an amazing long chat. Thank you for, for sharing your expertise and thank you again for your work with social skills. Tell us a little more about where we can learn about you and your programs. Um, so, I mean, I've got a website. Um, so it's uh, alexkelly.biz, B-I-Z. 
Um, you could also go to a speakingspace.co.uk, which is my um, work uh, uh, website oh i think the website i think we'll easily get your email through the website and you've got you've got a really comprehensive website too alex which is fantastic so heading over to your website we'll get more info on you and your programs and your workshops which is very exciting yeah. and so on a final note are there any other key messages you'd like to share when it comes to social skills and our children oh do you know what i think that the the key message i would would share is um, don't, if you've got a child who's struggling, <clears throat> don't pitch in too high. I think that would be my, probably my one, my main top tip. So if I've got a, if you've got a child that is struggling to make friends, is struggling with their social skills, don't pitch in and start teaching them a skill that's too difficult. Look at the hierarchy and think, you know, what's my, the self-esteem like of my child? You know, what are their, non-verbal skills like their verbal skills their assertiveness and just pitch in and and work at those foundation skills of self-esteem and body language don't go higher than that if you've got a child with having difficulties in that area um and i think my other if i'm allowed a second top tip would be um think about get get inside your child's head think about what motivates them what's important to them um so that would be my second top tip probably so i would narrow it down to those that is fantastic alex kelly thank you so much for joining the chat about children today thank you, thank you for having me i absolutely love that chat there with alex kelly make sure you do check out all the wonderful resources she has to offer they are listed in our show notes at chataboutchildren.com now, being so close to Christmas, I'd love for you to consider gifting a copy of my two best-selling and award-nominated children's picture books, and of course, my latest best-selling book for mums, Flourish for Mums. You can find out more about them, just head over to sonyabestelich.com.au. Thank you so much for your attention today. I celebrate you, and I look forward to chatting soon. Thanks for joining the Chat About Children with Sonia Bestelich, www.chataboutchildren.com.